Welcome to the meeting of the San Francisco Public Library Commission for July 20th, 2023. The time is 4.30. I'm Margot Schaub and I serve as the Library Commission Affairs Analyst. This meeting is being held in person in the main library Cret Auditorium and virtually on WebEx. Members of the public can observe the meeting using the WebEx system by following the link in the library's event calendar or by calling 415-655. 0001 and entering access code 25938994471. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely by video or call in for each item on the agenda. We will conduct public comment with attendees in the CRET first and then move to WebEx for public comment. Each comment is limited to three minutes unless otherwise noted. To make public comment when connected by phone, please raise your hand by dialing star three to be added to the remote queue for the agenda item you intend to comment on. Individuals joining by WebEx should click the raise hand button to be added to the queue. Mike Smith with Media Services Operations will moderate WebEx virtual public comment. Mr. Smith will call upon WebEx attendees by name or by caller number for each attendee who wishes to provide public comment. If we experience any technical issues with WebEx, we will recess and try to address the issue. Please try logging back into WebEx if there are technical problems. Library commissioners in attendance are President Connie Wolf, Vice President Pete Wong, Commissioners Ono, Mall, Lopez, and Bolander. Thank you very much and welcome to the July 20th, 2023 meeting of the San Francisco Public Library Commission. To those of us here in Corret Auditorium, we're delighted to see you. Thank you for coming. And we are very pleased to welcome our virtual audience via the WebEx platform. We have a full and exciting meeting ahead, and we will start with the Ramatushalone land acknowledgement. The area now known as San Francisco is the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone peoples of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the original peoples of this land, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place. We recognize that we benefit from living, working, and le learning on their traditional homeland. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as First Peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community. If you have not already done so, all the materials for this meeting are available to download on the Library Commission page of the library's website, sfpl.org. Today we have a total of five agenda items and we will begin with item number one, general public comment. And um, operations, how many people have joined us via WebEx? Madam President, at this time there are five callers in the WebEx queue. Thank you very much. So we will start with um, general public comment from members of the public here in Corette and then move to our um, listeners um, via WebEx. Um, members of the public may address the commission on matters that are within the jurisdiction of the commission, but not on today's agenda. The public has the opportunity to address the commission on today's agenda item when that item is called. So this is our general public comment and it is now open for any members here um, in Corret Auditorium. Good afternoon, I'm Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 
0517-0544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. Uh, at last month's Library Commission meeting, excuse me, the uh, Vice President acting as chair announced approval of the minutes, at, at approval of the minutes, that the purpose uh, here was not to ask questions. Uh, public comment would be taken, but not questions. I objected to that, saying you can certainly ask questions. You can make all the questions you want. The commission is somewhat limited in how it can respond, and I hope that that is corrected by the chair to clarify. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again, only it's getting worse. The internet as well as the uh, Facebook and other social media are very problematic. Uh, there have been folks who are doing AI going uh, and requesting that the government regulate them because they talk about the potential for human extinction as a result of AI. And I've also spoken repeatedly about how Francis Haugen and others have said that Facebook is toxic, especially to kids. The Surgeon General has also talked about that. Francis Haugen said Facebook uh, prioritizes profits over safety. Uh, there's a very nice exhibit outside. Uh, I want to call it high chairs, but there's chairs on high structures on the north side of the library facing the Asian Art Museum. Uh, it has a, I'm not sure what the name is, but at the top of the wall it has chairs and uh, it's somewhat interactive. Uh, and I haven't heard yet a discussion about what that is or um, how that works. Uh, I've once again also, uh, I've also spoken in general about my concern about equal access, free and equal access as the library's slogan says when you have only electronic access or when you have electronic access that doesn't mention a person can go, for example, uh, to a Zoom program, like an author talk, by ordinary telephone, I think that is very problematic, and especially when that information isn't available anywhere except after a person RSVPs for the program and does it by computer with email giving him the necessary numbers. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any further public comment here in Corret Auditorium? Seeing that there's no further comment uh, and people who wish to comment, um, I now turn to um, operations. If there's anybody in the queue waiting to make public comment via WebEx, could you please put them through? Thank you. Thank you very much. Hearing that there are no further requests for comment, general public comment is now closed. And we will now turn to agenda item number two, discussion and possible action to approve the June commission meeting minutes. We will open public comment before our commission discussion on this item. Um, it, public comment is now open here in, um, um, in the auditorium for anyone who would wish to comment on this agenda item.
Peter Warfield again, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. These minutes are unusually uh, bad in a variety of ways, and let's put it this way, they could certainly use some improvement and correction. Uh, First of all, I'd like to say that on item two, approval of the minutes, the minutes say that I asked for commissioner emails. In fact, I asked for commissioner email addresses, which the Sunshine Ordinance Task Force said should be turned over and that it was illegal for the library not to turn them over because they're public information. That means that our rights under the Constitution to petition our government for uh, redress of grievances and so on uh, would be mediated by uh, another so, in another way and not I would not have access directly to sending you folks material, which I have very rarely done. Uh, the library thinks that it's okay to have it forwarded by themselves, and that's not what the Sunshine Task Force found was legal. So yes, I'd like to know the email addresses through which I might reach you. And the law says that if you use so-called personal emails for business, then that business is revealable, those emails are revealable, which would mean the email addresses and the business at hand. Um, with respect to item one, I made it clear that I was talking about the uh, after-hours cutoff of Wi-Fi at the Eureka Valley Harvey Milk branch, which was particularly targeted to the homeless. Even though the library's own research apparently showed that there was no connection between Wi-Fi on after hours, Wi-Fi off after hours with respect to any kind of criminal activity. And that is not at all clear here. Um, the last item on the agenda, there are several other problems, but let's say this on agenda number five adjournment, I said that pride programming at the library, not pride, was a disappointment. And that needs to be made clear as well. There are other things that have been left out, like praise for specific members of the commission, who I specifically praised for having raised questions and said various things that I thought ought to be going on future agendas as legitimate concerns and interests and questions. Those have also been omitted and they should be included. Thank you. Thank you very much for your comments. Any other uh, public comments on agenda item two here in Corret Auditorium? Seeing no further comment here, I turn it over to operations. Operations, if there's anyone in the queue, could you please put them forward? Thank you. Madam President, at this time, there is no one in the queue. I will pause briefly to allow additional callers to join. Madam President, there are no additional callers at this time. Thank you very much, Operations. Hearing no further public, no further requests for comment, public comment is now closed, and we move to the Commission discussion and action on this item number two, which is approval of the June Commission meeting um, minutes. We have, do we have a motion from a commissioner? Um, and a second? I second. 
We have a motion from Commissioner Maul and a second from Commissioner Bolander to approve the minutes. And I'll take the roll call. Commissioners, please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf? Aye. Vice President Wong? Aye. Commissioner Ono? Aye. Commissioner Maul? Aye. Commissioner Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Bolander? Aye. The motion passes unanimously. Thank you. And now we'll return, we will go to item number three, um, which is the discussion on the strategic planning initiative and an update. And um, I turn this over to our city librarian, Michael Lambert, and we all look forward to this great presentation and discussion. Thank you, President Wolf. Good evening, commissioners. Library staff appreciates this opportunity to provide a mid, it's the right button. Library staff appreciates this opportunity to provide a mid-year progress update on our strategic planning initiative. You may recall the last time we spoke about strategic planning, it was back in February. We were just getting started. Since then, we've made fantastic progress that we're excited to share with you all today. And we've invited Midori Mizuhara, Ali Holmes, and Margaret Sullivan from the consulting team to provide you with an overview of the work we've done so far they're gonna be sharing preliminary insights from our robust internal engagement with staff uh, this spring and with city department heads. Our external engagement work with the community is still occurring and wrapping up soon, and we will be bringing insights to you on that work separately uh, this fall. So at this time, I'll turn it over to our lead project manager from the consulting team, Midori. Great, thank you so much, Michael. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, so great to be here again. Um, I'm Midori Mizuhara, as Michael's mentioned. I'm the project manager from Gensler. I'm joined here by our two lead strategists, Ali Holmes, also from Gensler, and Margaret Sullivan from Margaret Sullivan Studios. Um, and today we're here to give you a brief update. Um, so let's just jump in here. Um, so the last time, as Michael mentioned, that we were here was in February. Um, so at that point, we were sharing the overall engagement plan with you. We were about to kick off that plan. Um, it's been five months since we've last been here. Um, and right now we are really wrapping up the internal engagement. And when I say internal engagement, that's library staff, uh, all of you who've been interviewed, uh, city partners, uh, departments. So when, you'll hear that word a lot throughout this presentation, internal engagement. Um, so now five months later, um, we're here again. Um, in August, we'll be synthesizing um, all of the external engagements, which are in process right now, all of the uh, community groups, um, that's still in process and that'll be analyzed and synthesized in August. In September, we'll be sharing all of the insights combined back together. Um, and then from October to December is really a kind of heads down drafting and iterating time um, for the team and library staff. And then the final report will be done in January, 2024. And what you see on the screen here is all of the internal engagement. So with library staff, um, departments, as we said, all of you commissioners, um, leadership. And um, the point here, I'm not gonna read everything out loud, but um, the point here is the goal was really to give library staff and internal um, folks many opportunities and pathways to give feedback and have a voice at the table um, through many different platforms. So whether that be a digital online uh, staff survey or a celebratory all staff event or small group workshops. Um, many, as you see on the screen, many different forums were created. So there was multiple ways for everybody to give input. Um, and today's goal, before I hand it off to Allie, is really to dive into those internal engagement insights um, and then 
align on priorities and potential futures. And at the end of the presentation, we'd love to hear from all of you um, what you think of those insights um, and then any questions and what you're most excited by, especially the potential futures at the end. Allie? Thank you. Happy to see all of you today. So I'm going to take you through our internal engagement insights. And I'm focusing on what we heard from staff in all of the engagement activities, as well as what we heard from our conversations with all of you, the commissioners. Our insights fall into three different categories. The first is city and community. The second is SFPL's offerings. And the third is uh, the labor model and organizational culture. Each of these categories has a symbol associated and you'll see the relevant symbol on each of the following pages. For this kind of work, it's really helpful to have the context within, you, within which you are working within. And for us, we're lucky, it's the city of San Francisco. And so insight number one, at its best, San Francisco is a place for all people of all backgrounds to thrive in a uniquely creative and experimental culture surrounded by natural beauty. Another thing that makes San Francisco especially unique is the really distinct neighborhoods that make up the city. So number two, each branch is a vital cornerstone of its community, but staff acknowledge that there's a need to further enhance diversity and cultural representation through the library staff, collections, and services. So when we're thinking about how we serve these distinct communities, there's really an opportunity to increase awareness and accessibility. The library has so many resources, services, and programs, but the people who could benefit most don't always have the access or the awareness. And when, then when we're thinking about how we serve patrons, insight number four, the library is a catalyst for culture, connection, and creativity. But the spaces we have today, program development model, and partnership limit what's possible. It keeps us in a tighter box. And when we're thinking about what the future could be, it is really important to acknowledge the impact of COVID. Uh, the library has shown remarkable adaptability when it comes to the pandemic. I mean, staff really kind of embodied what it means to be a public servant. But the pandemic also really changed behaviors, shifting patterns of usage and creating new needs. One example of this is that so many of all of our programs and services, just how you go about your everyday life, moved into the digital realm. And that um, created scenarios where people need more hands-on tech guidance um, in order to navigate this new world. So in order to respond to these new emerging needs, staff members recognize and are already making strides to taking a more uh, experiential and relational approach to librarianship. But there are some real and perceived barriers that stand in the way. Some examples of this are simple things like scheduling. We spoke to one staff member that spoke about using six different spreadsheets to figure out the schedule and then um, maybe someone needed to go fill in a, a gap somewhere else and therefore all that work was for naught. Um, there's also some knowledge management issues that were discussed, kind of tends to reside with one person. Um, and when that person switches a role, that knowledge needs to be built from scratch again. Okay, 
Number seven, one of the challenges that arose that the staff believe that the library should be a safe, welcoming place for all. But current conditions create an unsafe environment and staff don't always feel uh, properly supported to handle it. Um, building on that idea of being a, self, a safe, welcoming space for all the, and uh, helping the uplift the communities it serves, there's a need to improve the health and morale of staff um, to better support the patron experience. It's that idea that you need to make sure you're healthy before you can help others. And then our last insight, insight number nine, is that we really heard from the staff that they're so motivated by the library's potential for good. But there's a need to feel more empowerment through greater transparency, more role flex flexibility, and have a little more permission to take risks in order to realize that vision. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Margaret. It's good to see everyone again. Um, so we're now going to share a few insights from the, our conversations with the city and county of San Francisco department heads. Um, the trusted relationships that SFPL has built at the executive level are among the strongest I have ever witnessed in our work. Um, and it's exactly what you want and need to be a valuable contributor to the solutions of some of San Francisco's most urgent challenges. So in a SWOT analysis, y'all are at a big S um, in those relationships. Um, all of the leaders that we spoke with had a bold, can-do, innovative attitude when it comes to tackling San Francisco's most complex contemporary issues. And they are desiring and have utmost faith that they want to build on the existing strong partnership with SFPL. All emphasized a desire to be more strategic and integrated into the approach of those partnerships. Um, one stakeholder even said that they want to do a strategic plan with y'all together. <laughs> um, so partners, ooh, sorry, am I on the, okay, there. Partners highlighted many opportunities for collaboration, and these seven bullets represent the following three essential library strengths that are valuable to them. So the first is you are a gateway and a distributor of their services. The second is you are a lifelong partner with individual community members' relationships, and you enjoy trusted relationships throughout um, all the ages and stages of folks' life. Um, who have a variety of abilities. And finally, you hear the stories of both need and impact that they aren't able to capture as effectively as the public library. Um, so, based on what we've learned with everyone at the library and with our conversations with partners, we've developed two frameworks for guiding this work moving forward. And also, to reiterate what Ali said, please keep in mind that these do not yet reflect what we've heard from the community. So the first framework is around our preliminary strategic priorities. These are what this work must accomplish no matter what future path is pursued. The second output of the work to date are the potential futures. A potential future is defined as a theoretical business model 
that can be incorporated into a future service model for the library. Potential futures are a way to push our thinking beyond how a library is defined today, serves as a platform for exploring big, bold ideas, um, enables best practice techniques for social impact, and also allows us to apply a methodology of creativity, imagination, and innovation. So the strategic priorities generated from internal engagements inform what this work must do for an evolved service model. In the interest of time, we won't go through each one of these individually, but what they reinforce is the call to action that you, the commissioners, charged us with. A bold reimagining that radically centers the community. So as a consulting team, we have been reflecting on this word radical. Um, radicals attempt to understand the root of the social problem, which is such a fabulous role for a public library to play. And it is, cultivates an approach that goes beyond what can be easily observed on the surface. It also is about independence of or departure from tradition. Radical can mean innovative or unorthodox. So building on this idea of radical, we've identified five different potential roles to explore a future service model. Please view these as clay to be molded with your contributions. So, and I get more excited each time I read these. <laughs> so the first is SFPL as cultural activator. And um, the description that we've identified to describe it um, is championing all forms of cultural expression and creativity at every level for a vibrant, weird, and creative San Francisco. The second is SFPL as radical equalizer. Using a social justice lens provides seamless access to upward mobility tools and programs for a San Francisco where all residents enjoy freedom to choose their future. The third is SFPL as living laboratory. To become an incubator for improvement to test and evolve thinking informed by leading research institutions for a San Francisco get, that gets better every day. The fourth is SFPL as experiential educator to promote personal growth and lifelong learning through inclusive, immersive, and varied educational offerings for a bright and brilliant San Francisco. And the last, which is, always touches my heart, the last is SFPL as community builder, to be a core community connector and navigational guide to connect people to resources they need to flourish for a united San Francisco. So for each one of these, we're also building out what we're calling a um, possible futures white paper in the vein of ULC's work. Um, to incorporate strengths and opportunities of each library as metaphorical approach. So we'll be exploring each direction with the ambassador group, with the M team, and the steering committee with the goal of using this work to inform the ideal service model and aspirational vision of SFPL's future. So hand it back to Midori to close us out.
Thanks, Margaret. Um, so we're at the end here and just wanted to take a look ahead. We're halfway through the, the project. We're in month six, end of month six, beginning of month seven of the project. Um, so we have some upcoming activities and ongoing activities. On the top of the screen in those pink circles, you'll see the rest of the internal engagement. So M-team focus groups, staff ambassador, uh, commission meetings, coming back to you all and getting input um, and all staff meetings. And at the bottom there in the red circles, you'll see the rest of the analysis and external, so community-facing public engagement that we're doing, which covers uh, 19 focus groups, uh, many surveys, and all the you know items you see on the bottom there. Um, and then just to kind of touch on those community focus groups, there have been 19, um, actually not quite 19, there's going to be our last three next week. And these have been extremely exciting to actually hear what the residents are saying. And so we can't wait to fold that in and into the internal in insights and really get a holistic picture of what the community, staff, um, leadership, and everybody's voices together. Um, so I think with that, our next presentation will be in the fall. So those external insights, look forward to hearing more about those and how they fold into the whole picture. Um, and then we also have a uh, website page on SFPL that tells a little bit more information about the team, the process, what we've learned so far, um, where information can be learned, and then the uh, email there you see at the bottom as well. And with that, um, at the beginning we mentioned a couple questions to keep in mind, and these are just a reminder of those. Uh, what insights that Ali went through resonated with you? Do you have any questions about those insights? Um, and then the potential futures that Margaret went through, were there any that sparked your interest or curiosity or, you know, do you want to ask us any questions about how we got there? Um, we'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you. Thank you, Midori. Thank you, team and commissioners. I just want to say these are true pros. They've been a delight to work with and they've been keeping us on track. And thank you very much. Wonderful, thank you so much. Um, you can have a seat because we're gonna open this up for public comment and then we'll come back to um, commission discussion. Um, so we now open this up for public comment. We'll begin with public comment here in Coret Auditorium and then move to any participants who wish to make public comment via the WebEx platform. Um, public comment is now open here in Coret Auditorium regarding pub, um, item number three, which is the strategic planning initiative. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. Thank you for this report and I guess a progress report. Uh, I do agree with a number of the findings, in particular with respect to accessibility and the ability of folks to access uh, the library's programs and materials. Uh, it's hard to see page numbers on some of these. Some don't have a page number. The library has a, so I'll, it's difficult to refer to this. Uh, you'd think that with a big project like this, we could have page numbers. Uh, so in any case, that's an example. And I think there are a number of other examples of uh, what let's say would be potential uh, goals and improvements for management. Um, the library has a slogan, 
which I think is quite a lovely one, and I agree with. Um, the San Francisco Public Library is dedicated to free and equal access to information, knowledge, independent learning, and the joys of reading for our diverse community. It's a lovely slogan. So I looked up some key words in the online version and couldn't find, for example, I could not find a single mention of the word book or books. I could not find a single mention of the word material or materials. I could not find a single mention of read or any variation on read, like reading. Joy, joys of reading, not a word of joy. Uh, on the other hand, I found a great deal about collaboration, how we were going to collaborate. And it started to make me think, are we in the old Soviet Union? I understand that all the commissioners are appointees of the mayor, and I understand that the city librarian is appointee of the mayor or serves at their, uh, serves on, as their rep representative on this library commission. But it's very troubling what's not included. And to go halfway through the process without having talked with library users, library patrons, and to say, oh, we haven't gotten to that yet, I don't see that. I do see one survey thing, which I'd like to see what the survey is, but I see a lot of vague discussions about ambassador groups that I've never heard of and I don't know who they consist of. Certainly would like to ask who has been involved and who's gonna be involved. I certainly haven't been listened to or asked. Thank you. Thank you very much for your comments. Any further comments here in Coret Auditorium, a public comment on this item? Seeing there's no further public comment here in Coret. Um, thank you. Thank you for your public comment. We, we do ask that you speak at the microphone and you, so thank you very much. Um, any further public comment here in Coret? Seeing there's no further public comment in Coret, we'll turn operations. Are there any, is there any um, public comment um, via our participants on WebEx? And if so, please put them through. Madam President, at this time, we have two callers in the queue. I will begin to put them through now. Caller Naima, your three minutes begin now. Good afternoon, commissioners, management team representatives, and the city librarian. Thank you very much for all the work that you have put into um, creating a new strategic plan for us to, to guide us and our library through the future. Um, I just had a couple of quick questions. I noticed um, that um, there were some public forums that were held and one being in District 5, um, which is the district um, that 
the library that I manage the Western edition is located in. And in this community, we have um, a historical community, though it has waned some, of Japanese patrons, um, African-American Black patrons, and um, <clears throat> Russian patrons, and we have collections and services to support those demographics. And then on top of that, we have a huge demographic of youth. And I was looking, I noticed that there was some consideration west of Twin Peaks in District 5 for LGBTQ plus um, conversation, but I was wondering where the focus was to represent those groups and extract information regarding these um, groups. And then also because we are often looked at as an equity zone within our system within the city, um, what kind of work was put into um, looking at how we can better tweak our services um, to best approach who is here now in terms of equity. And if um, the grounds of our site um, play into any of our strategic initiatives in terms of making this a welcoming and accessible site within an equity zone. Um, and then I just wanted to follow on the heels of um, the prior speaker regarding some of the comments regarding books and reading and joy and other things that exist in our um, in our mission statements and our objectives on a daily basis. Um, and just wanted to say that that was a, a nice comment and it would be good to consider um, including some of those uh, mission points as we continue this work. Thank you for your time and for allowing me to make a three minute comment. Thank you, caller. Caller Diane, your three minutes begin now. Oh, I think I just got, I think I just got unmuted. I'm going to start over. Um, I'm Diane Gibson. I am a member of the board of the Friends of the Public Library. And I just wanted to say thank you for that presentation and to uh, reiterate that we at the Friends are excited about these developments and we are looking forward to participating further in the process. Thanks very much. Madam President, there are no additional callers in the queue at this time. Operations, thank you very much. Seeing that there's no further public comment in CRED or on um, via the WebEx platform, public comment is now closed and we will now turn the discussion to the commission. Um, I'm wondering if we could pull up the slide that the future potentials um, as a point of reference for our discussion. And I just wanna encourage the commissioners to um, voice their perspectives and insights. I would also like to um, begin by thanking our uh, Vice President, Vice President Huang, who is serving on behalf of the commission on um, the strategic planning committee. And just thank you very much. And I hope you can offer some um, of your own perspectives and insights in this discussion, but really thank you for your time and effort on behalf of all of us. Oh, that's very kind of you. Uh, 
Um, yeah, I mean, uh, this is a very long, very thorough process guided by an excellent team. And so I think we have um, even more exciting updates ahead. I think these particular features that that we've been talking about, um, I, I would love for, for this group today to um, uh, just mold these over a little bit because I think the words on the page take some time to absorb when it comes to like 10 years from now, what is this place going to look like? Um, and so it's, uh, there's a lot to imagine, right? And, and these are quite conceptual. So um, just excited to have, um, have all of us be able to, to give input today. And, and thank you so much to, to the team in front of us for uh, leading the charge here and keeping us on track this uh, throughout all these months. Um, great, so do we have um, any commissioners? Um, Commissioner Bolander will launch us. Uh, thank you so much uh, for the presentation and the thoughtful analysis. Um, it's uh, it's always challenging to figure about the future, right? Um, because no one knows what the future is going to hold, right? That's part of it. Um, when I think of these sort of things, I always look in like 25-year and 100-year type things. I know I'm a little weird that way, but like in 100 years from now, would this be relevant and the answer is yes, it would be. So um, that's actually the foundation of good strategy is does it stand the test of time? Um, and so uh, I did have some comments. I actually wrote a lot of them. I think I sent it off to, to Michael, so y'all can look at those as well. But I just wanted to make a few comments just about the general methodology and kind of what really resonated with me. Um, you had the three kind of sections or pillars, I think. I call them pillars of... Um, what was it, labor, offerings, and city and community. Um, and so my, my general comment on this sort of thing is it always starts with the people, always, first and foremost. I think you don't have a great organization without great people. And if you fix the people and or improve the people and or empower the people, um, everything else sort of sorts itself out. And I think that's actually, uh, when you look at the comments from other city organizations and officials, we're probably the best run organization and the most impactful and probably the most visionary. I can't think of one other one and I'm not, not that I'm biased, but <laughs> if you just look at all the other, what they all do, most of them are transactional and most of them you never want to interact with ever. Like, do you really want to go talk to the treasurer or the controller? Not really. I mean, they're great people, but it's like, Oh great. I got to pay my taxes. This is not good. So um, we have actually an advantage baked into what we do. Like, this organization is very mission-focused. I don't think there's one person here that doesn't really want to be here. I mean, how can you not? <laughs> I mean, this is like a calling, right? So I think in my, in my thought process, people come first. And if we can get all the people stuff sorted out strategically, I think they'll just grow an even better organization. I think the offerings and then the community stuff far, farther down. Um, when it comes to sort of like questions that I had. One of the things that's always hard with strategy is this is pie in the sky, everything's, you know, rainbows and unicorns, yay, you know, and then someone has to get down and actually do it, right? Get down in the dirt, like get it in the field and actually make stuff happen. So one of the things that is always a challenge with this is implementation and the barriers, right? My guess is as time goes on, you'll see what these barriers are. Typically, it's people, are always the barrier to change. No one really wants to change. 
we're all like set in our ways. There's rare people that really want to be like, yay, I really want to do something totally different that I've never done before that I'm scared of. And oh my God, if I fail, I'm screwed. Right. Part of it. So what are some of the barriers to actually implement some of these things? Um, you know, the three within those three pillars, you know, what are some of these potential futures and how do they align inside? Re, normally the way I think about these things is like stacks. So there's always like a stacked hierarchy of things. Like if one thing doesn't happen, then the other thing won't happen, right? As you know, I mean, y'all are professionals as well. So you kind of understand that. Um, and then the one thing that was, was actually really heartfelt um, when I was looking through all the quotes from all the rest of the city officials, it just seems to me that we would be a center of excellence for government excellence. I can't think of another organization that could do a better job of that. Um, and that does seem a little bit maybe outside of the purvey, but usually people that lead the way in these kind of things are the ones that accelerate. Um, and I think we clearly have an opportunity to do that. Again, not that I'm biased, can't think of another better place. And any organization that's here that's from the other city agencies can feel free to debate me on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like these p potential futures are, there's not one of them that, that doesn't last the, you know, the test of time. I think the other thing to really think about when it comes to these sort of things is, you know, if we hit all our goals, what would the world look like? What would the future look like? If we're radically equalized, then what, right? If we are a living, then what? Like, it's always good to paint the future in a tangible, concrete form and then work our way back, which again, I'm sure you've done this thousands of times, you know what I'm talking about. But a lot of other people don't really have that in mind. Um, a lot of times people get lost in the words, right? If, if you're not a word person, you're like, oh, what does that really mean? And there's nuance, you know? So clear, concise, and compelling stories of the future that resonate. I mean, we're an organization that has tons of stories in this room, in this building. It must be some of the greatest stories on the planet. Um, one of the other comments was uh, teaching others how to tell the story about what we do and what they do. Again, that's a leadership position. That's a center of excellence. That's Again, the opportunity to like change the world, you know, one little department, one little city at a time. I think, you know, we've been leaders in this for a long time. So I think it's important to capture that, not just, you know, what we can do for us, but what we can do for the city. Because um, honestly, I, a lot of them are struggling, a lot of departments, a lot of other folks would love nothing more than to have not only our funding, our management, our vision, and soon our strategic plan. So thank you very much. Fantastic work. I look forward to seeing more of it. So thanks. Thank you, thank you Commissioner Bolander. Um, any comments? Um, Commissioner Mull. Um, thank you for your work on this. Um, I'm probably the most confused person on this, um, what is this, a dais or whatever? Commission. Commission. <laughs> because um, when the commission secretary sends me the manila envelopes to, to my house, I get, I get our minutes um, and I get our agenda and then I also get the um, monthly newsletter. And 
quite honestly, I think we're already doing most of what you're talking about. So I don't totally get it. I, and I don't mean that um, hyperbolically. I really don't get it. Um, I think that we don't need to work at being vibrant, weird, and creative. I mean, that's San Francisco. And the, um, the mission of the library, I think we're already doing, maybe not, of course, to the extent that it's not perfect, but um, I think that based on what is going on currently, all of these things are in operation. I just came back from a trip and visited a library in Europe um, in a city that is similar to our size, Oslo, Norway. Do you know about that library? <laughs> I mean, is that something? And I never realized the extent to which the physical atmosphere creates um, a sense of community, imagination, expression. You walk into that library and you want to sit down and read a book. The lighting, the chairs, I mean, it really knocked my socks off. I didn't even know such a thing existed. Yes? Yes, that was wonderful. Yeah. I encourage you probably to go on a plane I know, I know. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I had never, I mean, I think this building is certainly not optimal for um, a cultural space or a community center. But I think there's things that we're not addressing or you're not addressing or we're not addressing in this strategic plan that are not millions and millions of dollars that we could implement before 10 years. So when we're talking about, I'm so glad you've been there. Um, when we're talking about what can we do now that implements all the things we're already doing, just in a much more exciting, um, open, attractive, welcoming way. Do you, under you understand what I'm talking about? Yes. I mean, the, the amazing thing is you're right. The overwhelmingly, th the thing we heard was you are leading from a point of strength. Uh, as Margaret said, the S in your SWOT analysis is huge. Uh, the staff love working here. They love their mission. They love coming to work every day. I mean, what we're hearing, our next, uh, next time we come in front of you, we'll be showing all what the community said. It's their favorite thing in the city. It's their favorite, you know, part of San Francisco is the library. There's overwhelming just love for SFPL out there and appreciation and so many things that work so well um, throughout all of our internal engagement and external engagement, we're starting to see uh, these needs arise. And so I think that's what's really interesting. And I mean, you two can speak about it much more than I can, but those needs are, and insights are where these kind of gaps and where we could improve um, and the findings that are emerging is what we're really just kind of going down that path right now with these. I don't know if you guys want to. And, yeah, and to, to, to echo what Midori was saying, this process is an asset-based process. So w what we are finding is that you are 
as you pointed out, doing so many of these things, and now it gives us an opportunity to name them with intentionality and um, to take those strengths and build on them to, um, to really strengthen in an intentional way what you provide to the city. Um, so what you're saying is that the point of the plan is basically to take what exists and slice and dice it differently. Could you say that? And reorient with intentionality over what the impact of what you're doing so well can do to generate a healthier, happier, more vibrant. Okay, that's the part I don't get. I don't understand that. So I, I would say um, the, the the push that you're giving is is extremely useful, I would say, for the yearly budget cycle of like what initiatives are we funding in the next year or two yeah. to sort of push in a certain direction. This sort of, I think the intention here, like if we get down to the tax, taxes of it, helps set the framework of like, okay, when we look at our, all of our priorities as an organization um, and, and we're trying to line up the budget priorities against some of these mm -hmm. themes, like mm -hmm. right now we have, I think it was like, what we have like six of them, uh, six different categories in, in the premier urban library framework. Um, and each of our budget priorities are lined up against mm -hmm. one of those categories. It's kind of like, you know, is that framework the correct framework for the next 10 years is, is sort of what we're operating at right now. Um, and I think like on a year by year level of which when we get more concrete about certain things, that's when I think there's useful push on um, what, what are we specifically doing here? I don't think a useful output out of this exercise will necessarily be here are the five specific programs we're going to be putting in place. Um, this is more of like a guiding thing of like, what is the organization doing right now? Yeah, what, what, and I mean, what are we naming as like the, the, like the, the persona over the, of the organization that we want to be over the next and, 10 years? And it also has something to do with, okay, so we've been doing things for the last 160 years, roughly, as long as this place has been around. Okay, are those the things we should still be doing? Is that yes or no? Okay, it sounds like we're generally yes in the right direction. And then after that, are there additional things or additional things we need to push on in order to realize the strategic initiatives, the pillars? And it's complex in one sense. We're not broken. Right. Most organizations go through strategic planning when they're like, this place is a mess. Right. My God, let's just blow it up and start from scratch. It is rare in so many ways to be like, how do we make it better? It's even better. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's that's where you're I, I think that's where you're coming. But if I could respond to that. Sure, absolutely. Just. <laughs> um, I think Teresa and I, well, Teresa, you're more than me, but I think I've been on the commission the longest outside of Teresa. And the library has changed a lot. It's much more community-based. It's much more uh, diverse. It's much, I don't know what that program looked like eight years ago, but it did not have the the breadth that it has now in the branches or um, the main. I, I mean, I think it's really running on, you know, all cylinders. So the only thing I'm saying is it's not that everything is the same year after year after year. Right, right. And, and that's the reason why you've seen that progress is eight, ten years ago, someone did a strategic plan and said, oh, 
yeah, this is where we need to go. Let's go make sure that happens. And so, again, probably organic eight or 10 years ago, would you say? Um, I don't know that there was a strategic plan. There was. There was. There was. I think there always, doesn't there always have to be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're going to have a job forever, right? I feel like but, one. But, I feel like one example that, that I think of is in the current framework, we like explicitly name like digital, like as a priority. And that was also true for most corporations 10 years ago, 10 or 15 years ago. They're like, okay, we not need to do digital stuff. And now we don't talk about it because everything is digital. Like just by nature of doing your work, you will do the things that you used to call digital, right? Like every company made a push for mobile and then now nobody talks about mobile because everyone is using a smartphone, right? It's, it is everywhere. And so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, if digital is now like at a point where we don't need to like name it as like the thing that we need to focus on getting better at, then what is the thing that, that we would put on that list? Like what, what would be the, 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 the phrase, one of these maybe that, that, Every year we look at that and like, what are we doing to push this uh, persona, this idea forward? Um, that, you know, that's, that's where we get inspiration for the programming from, like all these different things. So that's just an example of how I think about it is like that, that's where um, I, 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 I can take the point that, um, you know, you see this and it's kind of like, okay, we're already there. And it's sort of like, are we just like reshuffling, like just reslicing <laughs> the world a little bit, right? Oftentimes, though, it's like, you know, you can imagine six years from now, like there's a complete different set of people. The organization changes, but like the words on the paper are going to be what inform like the new ideas, the new suggestions, the, the, the sort of direction that we want to be pushing in. Can I confuse? That's at least how I see it. Can I confuse Susan a little bit more? And sorry, I have a cold, but so if my voice goes in and out. My question is, what is San Francisco going to look like in 10 years? Yeah, really? I mean, what, what really? we're going through with the pandemic and, you know, the, what is it called? The bust, the bust of San the Francisco. Doom, the doom cycle. I think Thanks. they call it the doom cycle. The doom cycle. Which I don't believe, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I don't it's believe so. that. But, he, it, but, but if you go downtown, it really scares me. Mm -hmm. um, so my question about the strategic plan is we don't even know what San Francisco is going to look like. So how can we make sure that we meet the needs of what we don't know? And also the other thing that scares me is AI. Um, the impact that it's going to have on teens, on just, I mean, look at the strikes in Hollywood. Everything's being impacted by I, you know, AI. So I'm not the brightest on AI or also on you know, where San Francisco is going. So I do like the futures that you put out. I think they're great, but is it going to be enough? So did that confuse you more? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I'm going to turn to Commissioner Lopez. I think I'm going to be more organic. Uh, the discussion, I, I kind of agree with uh, Commissioner Mull. I, I feel like I should have... Uh, study a little bit more, but I have some just uh, questions. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for the work. I mean, it seems like yesterday we were talking about what was going to happen, and now we're like in the middle of this. Um, I have some questions about the project timeline and the, pro uh, the project process and the timeline, and then some questions about the community focus group, which um, what you presented and what I was able to 
to gather uh, is a very fruitful uh, conversations that you've been having a lot of both from the community, from the partners and um, other interest groups. Um, I just have a question in terms. My first question is on the focus groups. I noticed that some of the focus groups were done online and some of them were in person and that um, so I want to know a little bit about that because uh, accessibility, um, you know, and what was the rationale behind which ones got to be online and which ones got to be uh, in person. And also um, another question that um, I had in regarding to in regarding to the community focus groups. Um, I noticed that there's no, I mean, besides the ones that still haven't happened, um, there's no more. So we're just doing one uh, focus group for certain communities. So, for example, um, the Spanish and Chinese uh, priority population groups, there's there's only one of each. And, um, and I, I would just, if you can walk me through the, 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 the rationale as to how you came about, like, is it time? Is it money? Is it uh, accessibility? Um, sure. So. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. happy to walk through the process a little bit. Um, we're partnering with an amazing partner, Contigo. Susan Susanna Razo is leading the effort with our 19 focus groups. And a little bit about the process. These are um, very well thought out. They're both geographically spread. So every single district in the city is has coverage geographically. But it's a really through an equity lens that these focus groups were arrived at to focus on priority populations, English as second language, uh, the disability community, elders, parents, um, really focusing on who is priority in, you know, who, who maybe are high library users and also maybe haven't had a seat at the table before to give input into these kinds of plans as much. And so the equity focus was really large when figuring out how to put extra extra time and effort into those priority populations and not just you know spread it like peanut butter uh, geographically and do two per district. Um, so that's a little bit of the rationale behind how those groups got selected. Um, the selection process was pretty extensive, working with uh, multiple different community-based organizations. Um, I think they're listed on that page. So Susanna and Contigo partners with CBOs to uh, recruit, but also does an open call, uh, compensates everybody that's in those groups, um, so they're paid for their time, and they're also, um, you know, there's a lot more people that were interested, and so I think you're right, these could go on and on, like, there's so many people that wanted to participate, which is amazing, usually it's kind of hard to find people to do focus groups, um, and so the ro there was a really robust attendance there. Um, and then the question about digital and in-person, a lot of community members um, preferred digital, actually, because of their busy schedules, mm -hmm. um, especially the disability community preferred digital. So Susanna kind of dialed it in to what, what communities, teens definitely have to be in-person because they're distracted, <laughs> and they will look at their smartphone if it's a digital focus group. Those have to be in-person. Elders, uh, in-person, um, lots of different geographically um, it was a mix because the need was a mix. Um, and so we wanted to create a variety of platforms and ways to engage. So somebody that couldn't uh, drive across town or take the bus to an in-person on an evening could dial in. Um, so that was the thought behind the mix of digital. Did I answer all your questions? Okay. Thank you. Okay. 
Oh, yeah, and I'm sorry, I forgot to mention the survey. Um, so our other partner, John at uh, CCNG, um, has done over 2,000 user surveys, and the process behind that, um, for a few months, two months, I think, he, he and his team, uh, street team, were at all 27 branches at multiple different times of days, weekdays and weekends, morning, noon, and night, to, or afternoon, to catch different uh, community groups in their daily schedule so it wasn't all one type of demographic uh, doing the survey. So we originally wanted to do 1,500 surveys and he got over 2,000 responses. There was a huge interest in doing the intercept survey. So his team would kind of camp out at 27 different branches over two months. And so that's how we got a really robust, and that's in the process of getting analyzed. So what we're so excited to come back to you next time, you're going to hear really interesting community insights. And we, we've been hearing them trickle through the analysis right now. And um, Ali can share a couple tidbits of what the community is saying if you're interested. Um, but so that's the other half of this coin uh, that we're going to be folding in uh, as our next step. One thing I want to add on that survey is available in English, Chinese, and Spanish as well. And I'll, I'll flap on one more thing. Um, in the context of strategic work in the library world over the past 10 years, um, this is definitely the most ambitious both staff engagement and community engagement um, that we've been involved with and I would dare say that has been implemented in the library world in the past 10 years. So uh, you all should be very proud of that. And I want to make sure y'all celebrate that also and the approach um, that you've um, invested in. Great. Um, I wanted to just add, I'm, I'm going to shift back to the potential futures because I had a, a couple of questions very quickly. First of all, I just wanted to um, build on one thing that Susan said, which is that one of the distinctions about this library that I think of is the 27 branches. Like we are, we own real estate. I mean, we manage real estate. We have these facilities. This is what I think is so distinctive about the number of branches and the physical quality of them. And I'm not sure I feel that in the potential futures. And that is such an important part of who we are and how we, the platform. And just that notion of rethinking how we use our branches is so important for our future and thinking about. So I just want to be sure that that's somehow in here, and I don't feel it right now. But maybe I'm. It'll it'll come out, um, but I'm not feeling it, and I think that's huge. Um, I also just want to say that um, I really appreciate all of your attention to the staff. With 900 plus or minus employees, you know, there's bound to be um, people who are just raring to go and can't wait to start doing something different. Others who are holding on tight to what has happened, um, but really acknowledging that the library is nothing without them, um, that they are the essential ingredient, the key ingredient to anything and everything we do. Um, the other comment I wanted, I, I, I have to say, do not understand living laboratory. And I've been looking at this and reading it, and I do not understand it. I, I could never tell you what that is. And I'm just wondering if you could just give a few sentences to describe that. Yeah. I wanted to just address a few questions that have come up about potential futures. One, it's great that they feel familiar because it means we're building on existing strengths. The second thing I want to say is I sometimes like to think of these as like 
platforms and we're diving into a swimming pool. So none of these are recommendations. They are just worlds in which we can explore. So nothing feels like bold um, and really future thinking because we haven't defined what that means. And so what we're really going to do in these next couple of months is get much more tangible. What does it mean for the branches? What does this mean for our facilities? How is our staff models going to change? We're going to start to get into all those details and really um, kind of build much more tangibility in what these actually mean and what it could look like. But these are just territories to explore and define as a group what they could mean together. And then I'll let Margaret talk about living lab. I just want to know what the living laboratory is. Yeah, Margaret. <laughs> I've been living in definition land for the past three weeks myself <laughs> with all of these um, potential features. So think of living laboratory as your Aspen Ideas Festival so that each and every day the library serves as that place of um, research, reflection, ideation, um, the R&D arm of the city um, that enables ideas to percolate to improve um, the way we live. So that's, that's the way we've been thinking about the living laboratory um, and this initial, um, initial um, descriptions and definitions of what these potential futures all are doing in order to catalyze um, ideation and philosophies and as a library as a unique instrument for that role. Margaret, you Connie. were providing an example Hang of the type of research mm -hmm. that we would take and then test within the library. So one of the things that a living laboratory, an example, an anecdote of a li living laboratory, laboratory could be um, that the you know, R&D research and development arms of industries have been reduced over the past 10, 15, 50 years. So thinking about Bell Labs doesn't exist anymore, for example. So, <laughs> 80 percent. So a living laboratory, a library could play the role as a living laboratory that could bring the research and development into the public realm to bring research from the universities, for example, the Stanford School of Social Innovation, for example, um, to bring ideas on um, improving social impact or um, improving, let's see, let's, let me think about. Yeah, reading well, I mean, I think, I think there's one, childhood development. One, one very concrete example that mm -hmm. was brought up, AI. Oh, yeah. What, AI. what city agency is going to figure out how AI is going to impact the city? Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, or, 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 I mean, but what, why? Who has all the knowledge that would be used to train all those things and to do that from a city point of view? So it's how do you experiment and move the world forward? without you have to have a culture that allows experimentation risk mm -hmm. and failure i i get that i'm just not seeing that i'm okay. i am i am curious how this evolves but right now i'm just not um understanding the i mean i work in a university so mm -hmm. i like they're constantly trying to get the stuff out there and i mean there's the translational medicine world and things like that so mm -hmm. um i i'm just trying to really understand like does this have to do with 
people writing books and then talking. I mean, I'm just trying to understand how it actually is connecting back. You don't have to answer it. I'm just offering my, like, I need more information so on this. I want to book it with one example of how where the library can bring value to that research. So it's the research to practice model. So we're bringing, we can bring research into the library and then practice with the community members to give that feedback loop um, for a research to practice model that applies the theories and concepts um, in order to understand them more effectively. And the, I think one of the best examples that y'all already live with is the connected learning that generated the mix. Because um, those concepts were developed at, um, at UC Irvine on connected learning, so how do teens learn in out-of-school, after-school experiences, and then the application with the MacArthur funding the 24 libraries to practice that enabled that research to practice model to um, accelerate okay. faster. So that's one example. Yeah, I, to me that one's the least um, convincing. Mm -hmm. um, and I just wanna um, also say, I find that the outcomes are really weak. Like, you know, like to me it was like, it feels like some kind of saccharine, like, mm -hmm you know, like, oh, isn't San Francisco great? And I want that to feel if we're really talking about community and learners and readers and staff who are really trying to make a difference, those outcomes need to feel really um, more tangible or connected to that language. But to say a San Francisco that gets better every day or a bright and brilliant San Francisco, I don't know, that just feels, um, it doesn't have the gravitas of what you have um, created. So give yourself, um, put more energy into that because it's there. I mean, you've given so much attention to this and it just, it feels like it's like, if that's our outcome, yeah, like, well, that's what I'm saying. you know, how do we ever measure that? Mm -hmm. And, um, so I just feel like we really want to be bold mm -hmm. and, um, radical in how we think about outcomes. So use that to do that because the, right now that is just the kind of like everything falls down on that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, Commissioner Lopez. I love this conversation because <laughs> I'm getting ideas and I'm getting excited. Um, you were talking about research and you were talking about these laboratories and, and your next um, uh, pillar or as experimental education. And yet I was just thinking we are in a um, city with at least five universities and the, none of the universities, you know, and, and I mean, they're, they're, we're here, I work at one. Um, and none of the universities or the community colleges have been included in this uh, partnership or, and you know, and we do collaborate with them, and we know that they're expanding, and we know that um, their um, pupils are somehow interacting with our communities and our libraries. So I was just curious because all this research talk just got me <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like so, and, and we already have partnerships with some. Uh, what's at a college with some universities when we put the wonderful events that we do at the library. So um, I would just wanted to throw that before I lose it. Um, um, Commissioner Ball, did you want to say something else? Um, yes, as usual, um, <laughs> President Wolf, you are more um, eloquent than I am. But. Um, <laughs> 
to sign that. Oh, it's not a problem. Um, uh, I think that's where I was going with um, my comments earlier when I picked out the wacky or vibrant, weird, and creative San Francisco. I would um, encourage you, and I've been to the Aspen Ideas Festival, and I don't even think it should be in the same breath as the library. I mean, I think these are two different, you know, worlds here. And that these really need for me to understand it, um, though my colleagues can understand it way better. I think these need to be tightened up and not in, um, you know, uh, sort of um, theoretical language that doesn't translate into like real life. No, I think that's the that's the path we're going to be going on, especially when we hear everything that's trickled out of all the community. Uh, we're hearing really, really interesting things, wishes on space usage, wishes on programming, partnerships from the community that I think will just enhance and make this so much more refined and tangible um, as we move forward in developing these. Great. Well, I want to um, just say thank you to my fellow commissioners. I think this was really a fantastic conversation. Um, thank you again, um, Vice President Huang, for your service on the committee. Thank you to the incredible team. And I also really want to call out Randall for his leadership on the staff and really making sure that things are moving forward in a really wonderful way. So thank you for your incredible service. Um, this was a great launch. I feel really fortunate that we had the chance to really dive into this, have a discussion, and your openness to hearing our comments and um, taking note of them. We look forward to your coming back and to seeing the next phase of this and finally to get this to a place where it can actually, it's not the finish line, it's the starting line. And um, But just really want to thank everybody for their honest, open um, conversations and perspectives and really excited about what this is going to do for the library over the next um, hundred years. 100. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you again. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so now we turn to um, item number four. Um, which is the discussion, uh, this is the City Librarian's Report, and um, delighted to turn it back to our fabulous City Librarian, Michael Lambert. Thank you, President Wolf. We have a number of presentations this, this evening, and I'm pleased to introduce our first presenter. Jason Blandon is our Acting Chief Information Officer, and he's going to be telling us all about a partnership with the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development, and their digital equity initiative. And he's joined this evening by the digital equity manager for the city, Ray Lachelle. You just took my whole intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, and good evening, uh, Library Commission. As Mr. Lambert said, I'm Jason Blondon, the acting CIO for our library. Um, just wanted to call out a comment that Commissioner, Commissioner Maul made about how the library has changed uh, more community-based. And I think here we are, we're talking about this right now because we're talking about the IT division that's actually getting involved with the community, which is kind of unheard of, but yet here we are. 
Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about Digital Connections Initiative. It is a collaboration between the Office of Digital Equity and San Francisco Public IT's library or IT division. Um, what this collaboration is is taking our equipment, our surplus equipment from the library, and handing it over to the Department of Environment that has a, a program called the Virtual Warehouse. And from there, other departments can pull that equipment um, and basically reassign it city property to themselves. That's where Office of Digital Equity comes in. And what they do in turn is they donate it to our nonprofit partners like Dev Mission and Tech Exchange. And like Mr. Lambert said, you'll hear from them today. So with Digital Connections Initiative, there's four goals that we focused on. We are building collaboration between the city and community. And the collaboration we're building is basically through the surplus equipment that we are uh, donating to our nonprofit partners. We're basically maximizing the lifespan of these computers and making sure that we're still serving San Francisco residents with public computers that are going to nonprofits that serve them in different ways. We're tackling the three R's of waste management, which are reduce, reuse, and recycle. So we're reducing the amount of computers that we have um, that have usually have gone to e-waste, right, through the city program, through Virtual Warehouse. And we're now reusing them by making sure that our nonprofit partners are utilizing them for their programs. And we're, many, we're really minimizing how much we're going to recycle. Right? Before, it was just mainly all recycle. It was e-waste. And now we've, we've got into this. We're bridging the digital divide, but in a, in a sense, our computers are bridging the digital divide with our nonprofit partners. They, in turn, use these computers to teach people digital literacy programs and tech support skills. And finally, we're talking about creating career opportunities for the underserved community. Like, so talking about bridging the digital divide, um, providing surplus computers, we're giving people access to like you know the internet, to other resources out there, resources like online job applications, uh, online job hunting, right? Access to e-commerce resources, um, access to networking, right? And access to resources like San Francisco Public Library and all the e-learning resources that we provide off of our website. I'd, talk, I'd like now to talk a little bit about our DCI partners. First up, we have Tech Exchange. Tech Exchange works with people by, uh, actually nonprofits and low-income communities by getting them uh, low-cost computers. They work with them on digital skills, tech support, and they provide assistance with network uh, or internet uh, connectivity, right? Next is Dev Mission, and you'll hear a little bit more from uh, Leo here today. Uh, and Dev Mission, what they provide is uh, housing communities with tech support and digital literacy skills. Literacy skills. <laughs> and then finally, we have the Office of Digital Equity. And I think at this point, I'm going to ask Ray to come on down, and he could talk a little bit more about his program. Good evening. Uh, my name is Ray Lachaud. I'm the Digital Equity Manager for the Office of Digital Equity, housed under the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development. 
Um, glad to be here today to talk a little bit about our partnership with uh, Jason and team and the library, Kate Epler. And uh, just, just to get us started, just to kind of high level talk about our goals, right? Um, first, we have up is access. Uh, I have this saying, right? Uh, if we're talking about digital equity, it's really four major things. I just added the fourth thing, and I'll talk about that a little bit uh, later. But the very first thing we want to firmly have, have in place is high-quality Internet, right? That's the road, the highway, right? And with that in place, we could, we could then segue to the car, right, which is the high-quality uh, device, right, tablet, desktop, laptop, what have you. And now we're talking about AI and all these other technologies being introduced. So the canvas is, uh, the different canvases are widening, right? And then uh, lastly, or not, not lastly, thirdly, uh, we have high quality digital literacy training. That's the digital, uh, that's the driver's education. So we got the road, the device, which is the car, and then we have the driver's education. Right, which is a digital literacy training. But Leo, who's going to come up here and talk a little bit about the fourth leg, which is uh, you need that, that auto shop, right? You need that if your computer goes down and uh, you can't do without sending that email or maybe responding to a job application, uh, you're going to need that. And so that's what Leo and his team brings is that IT help desk support. So glad that they're here. So we talked a little bit about digital skills and usage Right, and I know our last speakers, they spoke about uh, rethinking, and you did as well, talk about rethinking spaces, right? And kind of talking about how we can reshape what the library does, or maybe in partnership, start creating these spaces, these generative spaces, where folks can use these skills, like, like augmented reality or virtual reality, or learning how to be an AI engineer, or a software developer, or a graphic designer right, or IT help desk support person, right? Uh, so we want to, uh, so in this partnership, those are some of the things we highlight and as opportunities, right, future opportunities. Long-term impact. The Office of Digital Equity has a digital equity strategic plan. It's uh, up for renewal, so right now um, you might get phone calls. I might ask you some questions uh, because it does take the collective wisdom and the brain trust that, that's in this room today to inform a plan, right? And so how, how appropriate is it for me to bring that up since you've talked about your strategic plan? Uh, another document that we use, so this digital equity strategic plan is really for the community. And then we have a digital equity playbook for CBOs to, you know, who aren't super familiar with digital equity because it is fairly new. Uh, you know, what tools, resources, techniques uh, they can use to inform their audience. You know, uh, preferably, uh, so we were talking about, actually, uh, our speakers before, they talked about how their underserved populations, vulnerable populations, are really being impacted by the digital divide. And so with our grantee portfolio, we like to fund organizations that serve those audiences, right, those, uh, those populations. And so I, I do want to give credit to the genesis uh, or the person who started this partnership or sparked it is Kate Eppler, the digital equity manager here at the SF Public Library, who uh, gave me a favorable introduction to Jason and his team. 
uh, and talked about the possibility of uh, taking some decommissioned computers and giving them out to the public. And so right at that point, we started to, to think about how can we strategically do this, efficiently do this, and collaboratively do this, right? And so the first set of computers, it was, I think it was like 500 computers. Uh, we managed to get the support of the tech exchange, 500 computers. They took them, they refurbished them, and they gave us an impact report, which is a synthesis on, okay, what communities did these computers go to, right? So um, after that, we decided to start to begin looking into the community for community-based organizations like DevMission who can offer the different legs I talked about earlier, the high-quality internet connection, which through the fiber to housing program, most of these fiber to housing program, which is a partnership between MoCD and the Department of Technology to bring fiber connection to affordable housing sites across San Francisco. And we have about 4,000 residents that are enjoying this connection. And this is, isn't just, you know, a Wi-Fi access point that's in the hallway. These are Ethernet connected uh, units, right, the, who have routers. And MoCD provides uh, tier one support, which is customer service. We have a customer service line, or you can email us, you can call us or email us. Um, so this is a part of a continuum model, an ecosystem that supports the community that the library is now an integral part of. So I just wanted to quickly place emphasis on that. Uh, talking about the tech exchange, I'm kind of going down the list here. Uh, you know, they support not only San Francisco, they support the Bay Area, San Jose, and they bring a, a pretty significant field force to support us in this effort. And so when we talk about uh, equitable and diverse digital society, this means that everybody has what they need to be successful. And so with this program, we hope that this can spawn other opportunities like workforce development uh, pathways, career pathways, for uh, underserved populations or folks who want to get into technology and learn skills. So with that, I'm gonna segue and pass it over to Leo. Leo Sosa from Dev Mission. Thank you. Thank you, Ray, Jason, and very excited to be here today. My name is Leo Sosa. I'm the founder and director for Dev Mission. I started this organization six years ago to close two gaps. Young people are not being exposed to STEM careers at the education level. Sorry to call it out, but that's the reality. And the second gap is diversity gap at the tech industry is real. You're looking at a possible DBI administrator that wanted to work at Oracle when I got exposed to tech when I was 24 years old living in affordable housing. That never happened. So I decided to change that by creating this organization and help young people pursue careers in the tech industry. Since 2017, we have trained 500 young people for careers in tech. 300 of them have graduated from our pre-apprenticeship program. We also have a 90% completion rate and 75% employment rate. We're one of the most innovative technology programs in San Francisco that trains young people for careers in tech. So as that conversation happened, Ray reached out to us early April, probably February, March, and said, Leo, we got 700 computers from the library that need to be deployed. What would you do with them? Well, with my work in San Francisco for the past 25 years, I've connected more than 5,000 families to broadband access, have distributed over 5,000 computers in affordable housing, and I have 25 years 
experience doing broadband adoption and managing internet programs for low-income families. So it was a no-brainer. And I said to Ray, all right, who's providing the computers? They said the library. All right, let's get it going. And we started this idea to really close the digital divide. And how does this model happen or how does it work? Well, remember those young people that we train? They're hungry for hands-on skills. It's one thing to learn everything online, but when you do it on the ground and you take a computer apart, you put it back together, you install the software, you add the username, and you give it to someone in the community, how does that young person feel? Empowered to close the digital divide. And that young person is going to be providing tech support at Uber, Google, Dropbox, Salesforce, you name it. So as they reach out and say, all right, let's make it happen. So, so far, I want to give you a quick report of what we've been doing so far. We have received 100 computers so far. Out of those 100 computers, we have refurbished those 100, and they have been distributed already in the communities like San Francisco House Development Corporation and the Parents for Public Schools. Right now, we are working together to deploy 600 computers with partners like CDNC, TRC, Five Keys, Success Centers, and many others. So the computers that were used by so many residents at the library now are going back into the hands of a home, of a home that's going to have access to the Internet, access to resources, access to financial literacy opportunities. But on top of that, they're going to become financially excited. And who made that happen? All the organizations that have been doing this. So we also have a really unique model, um, which is called refurbatons. And our refurbatons are this innovative approach where we bring resources to the communities as we deploy those computers. Kay Epler was part of those refurbatons since the beginning back in 2018 when I started doing this before the pandemic. Now we're really excited to collaborate with Jason, George, Raymond, Tuan, Kevin, and others that you see on that picture, which are the young people that make this happen. I never got exposed to tech. I never got exposed to STEM going to Woodrow Wilson High School in the Vestation Valley area, and now I'm helping build the next generation of tech talent. But in order for that to happen, we need more support. So any of you that want to support this idea, reach out to Jason, reach out to George, or reach out to me. We're making this happen together. So thank you for the time that you gave me today. All right. Thank you, Leo. Thanks, Leo. All right, to go over a little bit about our statistics here, and I realized I just I left off the 500 that we already gave Tech Exchange. So, uh, but we've got five, uh, 58 units already delivered to Digital Equity, our Office of Digital Equity. We have 100 units delivered to Dev Mission, and 210 ready for deployment. And I think, uh, what'd you pick up this week, uh, Ray? I think another 30. So he picked up another 30 as well. Um, it's an ongoing collaboration. It makes sure that we are reusing and not just e-wasting uh, library and city equipment. And it's going in the hands of nonprofit organizations that are working with underserved communities. And then going to like Commissioner Ono's uh, comment earlier about like, you know, there, there is a big divide in San Francisco. Uh, this program is addressing it. So at least a bit of it. So, um, what I wanted to do now is I wanted to thank the people that were involved. Of course, I wanted to thank Raymond. I wanted to thank Leo. Um, I wanted to thank my IT team for taking on another piece in their already busy work schedule, 
right? I want to thank Maureen Singleton for helping me foster this relationship with the Office of Digital Equity. And of course, I want to thank Kate Epler and yourselves for listening. That's it. And my name is Betty. And my name is Taki. We are here with Tech Exchange. And we would like to say thank you for your generous donation. Yes, thank you, SF Public Library, for this generous donation. All right, that's it for me. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, partners. All right, our next presenter is Christina Mitra, Program Manager for the Hormel LGBTQIAA Plus Center on the third floor here at the main library. She'll be providing an update on our Pride Month activities this past June. Good evening, everyone. Okay, my name is Christina Mitra. I, do we see someone familiar on this slide? <laughs> no. Thank you so much, Madam President, for joining us at the Pride Parade. So it is my pleasure to make Pride come alive for you all and see all that we've been doing here at SFPL, and specifically from the vantage point that I have as the program manager of the Hormel LGBTQIA Center. So at SFPL, our Pride Month was characterized by diverse programming for all ages throughout SFPL strong partnerships and exciting outreach into our communities. Of course, the biggest one being our annual award-winning contingent at the Pride Parade. This year, we won an award for being absolutely fabulous, and I think you'll agree. <laughs> A special thank you to Kate Patterson and her team for doing a knockout job in publicizing our public programs, which not only were centered here at the main library, but throughout the branches. And if we're talking about change that we've seen in the system, I've been um, in the library system for 12 years. And something that I've really seen is just greater ownership throughout the whole system around diverse programming, that it, this isn't something that the Hormel Center has to initiate or the Eureka branch, Eureka Valley branch, but really that we're seeing, you know, in communities that traditionally someone might say, well, that's not really relevant to our community. We're seeing that everyone needs a pride story time or an author talk um, related to LGBTQIA issues. So I, I love that I'm seeing that throughout our system. But speaking, coming back to my vantage point as the Hormel Center program manager, I want to just uh, take you through a little bit of what we had going on. So this is upstairs on the third floor in our beautiful reading room. This was our first program, which saw a great crowd of 40 in our reading center. And this is Lewis Niebuhr in conversation with fellow historian Joshua Gamson, speaking on his new book, Menergy, San Francisco's Gay Disco Sound, which is about high energy the music genre born in San Francisco's Castro neighborhood. So as a child of the 90s, I listened to a lot of high energy, not having any idea that it was born from this city. So that was a really exciting program. And then here in the, in the Corette, we welcomed 100 people to hear a panel of creatives that were responsible for the legendary queer women's dance party Club Q which ran in San Francisco for 15 years. This panel, you can just see the joy on their faces. Um, and what was really special is, uh, you can't see her face, but Tania Lunsford-Links is the curator and moderator for this panel. 
Tania was an artist in residence here at San Francisco Public Library and through that experience discovered that we had 15,000 photos of Chloe Atkins, who's the person seated on the right. All, Chloe was the photographer at this. So everyone who came into this club got their photo taken and we have those archives in the Hormel Center. And Tania discovered those when she was an artist in residence and said, oh my gosh, I need People need to see this and I need to celebrate this. So this is just a lovely example of intergenerational programming and how the artist in residence program circles back to public programming and deeper engagement, not only from the artists and residents themselves, but bringing in elders. These are people that don't necessarily live in San Francisco anymore. So it's also a coming home. And um, we just had a wonderful audience here of all different kinds of ages, people who went to the club themselves, but also um, were learning about it for the first time. And something that we're really seeing as a trend People want to come to the library and then go to a party afterwards. So this was actually because it was about club culture and dance. There was an after party that we did in partnership with Strut and the Castro. So come to the library program at Thursday, leave at eight o'clock and go with your friends to continue the party. So that's something that actually I've been hearing from many different community partners that they want to do, which I think is just expanding what the idea is of what people come to the library to do. So you could see with these last two programs, there's sort of this, it was unintentional, but kind of a cool theme of music and club culture. And it's not really a surprise given that the sanctuary that dance clubs have been for queer communities. And so we're really seeing historians and people wanting to research and celebrate this history. So um, that's a trend we've seen. Another trend that we're seeing that we're really leaning into is that, especially from a younger generation, but all ages as well, people are, you know, they want to go beyond the screen and they want to make and they want to really dive into more analog ways of connecting. And so this is a monthly zine pro making program that we have in partnership with the SF Zine Fest. And right here featured are actually students from Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina. And they were actually here on a two week intensive on queer history. These are people from majors such as public health, biology, Chinese studies. This is not, these are not history majors. They're not studying queer history, but they spent two weeks in uh, this summer to learn all about the Hormel archives. And uh, so that was just, really exciting and inspiring for us, especially as we hear maybe in the news media, different um, sort of ways that other states are, you know, more uh, all the pushback towards LGBTQIA issues and communities, but really we have champions on the ground in the universities that are making sure that their students have access to a broad history. We're really excited about the partnerships that we as the center continue to build and in particular, just the connection between libraries, archives, and arts. I think there's an intrinsic connection that has always existed, but we're just continuing to foster even more. And this summer, it was all about the film. So featured on the left, this is the opening night film of Frameline, which was a sold-out crowd in the Castro Theater, and the Hormel Center was called out, especially because this is Fairyland, which is based on Alicia Abbott's memoir. Alicia Abbott's father, Steve Abbott, his papers are in the Hormel Archive. He was a writer living in San Francisco and raising his daughter, and um, it was just phenomenal and just wonderful to see the Hormel Center archives called out. And Quackamap is the Queer Women of Color Media Arts Project. That is a wonderful festival for new and emerging filmmakers. And Tiara Mir, 
whose film is featured here, was also a poet in our exhibit this year, I Still Love You. So a lot of cross connections between LGBTQIA arts, libraries, and archives. Some of the most gratifying experiences this summer was outreach. So we just huge shout out to our amazing collection development department who enables us the ability to bring free books to the community. Literally everyone is looking at these books and going, okay, well, how much do these cost? This is amazing. Like, no, they're free. What do you mean they're free? Yes, the library is here for you. And um, the tears, honestly, that I saw in people's eyes, being able to see affirming books representing trans, non-binary, queer people at these events was just incredibly moving. Um, at the Trans March in particular, I spoke nonstop to people for three hours about they wanted to know which books were the best for their young child and which ones um, they would recommend. They wanted to know which ones were banned. And that was really interesting, actually, kind of flipping um, the news story and saying, well, I want the ones that are banned. I'm like, well, honestly, all of these are probably banned somewhere, so go for it. Um, but truly, I mean, this was, I feel like this was a really different summer for us. Much more um, community, people felt much more comfortable gathering and being out together and the library was there. And I think it's incredibly important that we bring books that are affirming of LGBTQIA people into the communities and so that they can see that the library is in solidarity with them. Of course, it would not have been a Pride Month without the, our contingent in the Pride Parade. And so we had 60 plus marchers, our signs, our swag, stating very clearly that we are in solidarity and our bookmobile right behind us releasing joyful bubbles down Market Street. So it was an extremely fulfilling month of lots of celebration um, and just what the LGBTQIA community needs in these times. Darcy Drollinger is our new drag laureate of San Francisco, new and first. And when uh, Darcy was asked recently what to do, what the community should do in uh, response to all the attacks on our community, Darcy said that we need to sparkle harder. And so I'm very pleased to say that we are indeed sparkling harder every day and will continue to do so throughout the year. I want to thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to reporting out about Pride activities next year. Thank you, Christina, and thank you for shouting out our wonderful collection and technical services team. That's a great segue to our, our next presentation. Uh, Denise Schmidt, the manager of the Collection Development Office, she's going to talk about a new partnership with the San Francisco Ferry. Hello, everyone. My name is Denise Schmidt. Um, I am the Collections and Cataloging Manager for San Francisco Public Library. And one of the things I do are buy the free books that we give away, thanks to your huge budget. Thank you. So this is a brand new project that we're launching. It just started rather softly on June 22nd. We're partnering with the S San Francisco Bay Ferry. They also are belong, they're part of the Water Emergency Transportation Authority. That was something new to me. So what they said was, we want to provide a way where people who are riding the ferries can learn about the library. And we had this project already in our mind. We had done something like it before COVID, where we provide people the opportunity to see our huge online ebook library and get a chance to test check out books without having a library card yet. So people who are on the ferry who see this 
this sign, can you go to the QR code, sign up with their email, and try out our e-collection. They can see not only new titles are being published, but our huge backlist because we've been buying ebooks for a long time. The patron, the soon-to-be patrons, we hope, um, are informed at the end of their three-week trial. Why don't you join the library card, library system? Go ahead and click on the following link. Do your online library card application and pick up your card at any San Francisco Public Library branch. So our goal is to kind of reel them in and get them to be new library card holders. So this is our first time ever doing it with the ferry system and we are hoping that it's successful. I don't have enough data yet to share with you because it's a little too fresh. The posters have only been put out so far on the Alameda Oakland ferry line. They told us they're gonna be finishing out, putting them on every ferry the end of this week. They're also hoping to do some social media push. They're gonna give us photos so we can also do a social media push. Right. And I think they're hoping to get the Chronicle to cover it so that there'll be some advertising of this. And the goal is, is to pull them in with our books, get them into our buildings so they become library card holders and then realize everything else that they could be doing inside a library in addition to reading ebooks, they can read physical books, they can come to programs. They can just hang out and read a newspaper if they like to read newspapers and paper, which I still like to do. So that's all, I just wanted to tell you this is launching. You'll be hearing about it hopefully soon in the Chronicle. And um, thank you very much. Thank you, Denise. And our final presenter this evening is Kate Patterson, our Director of Communications, with an update on our Artist in Residence program. Good evening, commissioners. Um, it is my pleasure to introduce you to our next cohort of artists and residents. But before I do, I just wanted to recap that this program was launched in 2015 by the San Francisco Arts Commission. Um, their first project was in honor of the 150th anniversary of City Hall, and they hired the artist Jeremy Fish to do 100 drawings for, oh, it was the 100th anniversary, not 150, 100 drawings for the um, for City Hall, and since then it's really grown into an institution, and they've worked with a number of different uh, city agencies uh, to host artists and residents. Last year we hosted four artists. Um, Christina mentioned Tania Lunsford-Links. We had Gazelle Samizai, um, Sandra Ibarra, and James Chan. And um, you may have seen Sandra's work, which was on view from March 11th to June 18th on the sixth floor, where she, um, she spent some time in the History Center and was enamored with our uh, SFPD historic mugshot books and did a whole series um, uh, called Of Ill Fame, which was looking at some of the women in those books. And um, she did these really interesting multimedia collages with them. And um, um, on the right here is a work in progress by Gazelle Samizai. She is of Afghan um, heritage and she has actually never been to Afghanistan because she arrived here and it's been in conflict ever since and she's, it's never been safe for her to go back. So she became interested. She discovered a cache of historic books, one of them dating to the 1700s um, of, that were like travel logs about Afghanistan all through a Western lens. And so it's just interesting for her because she's sort of learning about her culture through this 
antiquated Western lens. And so what she did is she is creating a video and some images. Um, so it'll be sort of a layered piece where she has people who are um, Afghani reading from these books and they're kind of hilarious because they're so outdated and so, um, so yeah, very Western. So she's very interested in, in how um, in issues of identity and she that's how she used the collection and James Chan um, is a filmmaker and he is doing this really interesting project um, where he um, made some buddies while he was here and he has outfitted some of them with GoPro video cameras so that he's he's creating an um, artificial reality experience that basically puts you in the shoes of a library patron one of whom is a patron who has um, who is visually impaired his, and, and is a heavy library user. And so you'll get to experience the library from someone uh, who has to navigate the space very differently to sighted people. And so that's a work in progress that we hope will uh, be shown soon, maybe in the fall. And it'll be both those projects will host here at the library. And Tania's project um, is focusing on a an archive of an oral history uh, by of an African American man who was here during the 1906 earthquake, and it's his life in San Francisco. He was born in San Francisco. He also married the um, a one of the first professional female baseball players. So he has this very interesting history. So she's kind of creating a walking tour that basically takes you on his pathways through San Francisco. So those are some works in progress. Um, so Sandra's the only one who's actually completed her project. Um, so um, we'll, I'll let you know when those come to pass. And then our next cohort, um, so on June 27th, the Arts Commission and the Library announced a new cohort. And the, they are all San Francisco-based artists. And they were selected by a panel, which included myself, our former exhibitions graphic designer, Hannah Gribbitz, and the director of the San Francisco Arts Commission Galleries, uh, Carolina Aranibar Fernandez, and um, their programs manager, Mason Wazwaz. And on the left, we have Christopher Birch. He's an artist and educator, and his work conflates the distinctions between the lived and living human experience, mythology, folklore, and history. Influenced by the accounts of painting, narrative, portraiture, landscape, folklore, surrealist literature, and black rituals of transfiguration, Birch's work explores life and death, rebirth, retribution, and the afterlife as an ever-evolving thematic structure. He has exhibited work internationally as well as throughout the Bay Area at the Museum of the African Diaspora, Luggage Store Gallery, White Walls Gallery, Yerba Buena Center for the Arts, and the Headland Center for the Arts. Um, and then the artist on the right is Celeste Chan, and she is a writer and artist schooled by the do-it-yourself culture of immigrant parents from Malaysia and the Bronx. Chan co-founded Queer Rebels, an organization devoted to queer and trans artists of color. And she, uh, her writing has appeared in Alta Journal, The Rumpus, Cream City Review, Genre Queer Folio, Gertrude and Citron Review, and she is currently working on a memoir about her family. Uh, then we have Tossie Long. 
Tasi Long is a multi-hyphenate Grammy-nominated performing artist, producer, and director that speaks to the intersections of music, culture, and socio-political edges, spanning from rock and roll vocals to Afrofuturist immersive productions. A generational San Franciscan nicknamed Bone Rattler, Tasi is a practitioner of ceremonial music from around the world with a focus on diasporic cosmology. She's a very interesting artist. She really is interested in sound and architecture and, and preserving spaces, especially in the black African-American community that are becoming extinct. So um, very excited to have her. And then last but not least, we have Preeti Rampasad. She is a multifaceted trans transitional dancer, musician, and researcher. She has toured and taught um, traditional Indian dance from um, Southeast India. And um, she has performed in Europe and the United States. She co-curates the Var, I'm gonna butcher the word, so Varnam Salon, When I Speak Choreography Festival and Performing Voices of Bakiti, which all aim to create safe spaces to share South Asian expressions in the diaspora. So in terms of timeline, um, the Arts Commission is currently working on their contracts. They actually administer the program with work funds that were work ordered to them. All the artists get paid $20,000 for their, for their um, residency. They work in the library for 10 weeks. They have to spend a minimum of five hours a week at the library, and then they go off for a period of time to develop their work, um, and they are supposed to complete their work within a one-year period, but obviously their processes take different times, and so we're just going with the flow there. And um, so we hope to start with um, two of the four in August. We're gonna, rather than do every one at once, that was a little bit overwhelming, we're gonna do two sets um, and spread them out over uh, several months. Um, and that is it, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Kate. Um, I just want to say I never cease to be amazed with our incredible library staff. Uh, I'm always in awe and continually inspired when I hear these presentations. But after three years, three difficult years, the past three years, I can honestly say we are really starting to hit our stride again. And you can just feel the momentum. Uh, and it feels good. And I just want to say in Christina's parlance, we are sparkling hard. And that concludes the City Librarian's Report. Thank you very much. Um, before we are able to offer our comments and questions, um, we will open this up for public comment. We'll begin here with public comment in Corette Auditorium, and then we will move to public comment on WebEx. So we'll begin with public comment. Uh, hearing correct. Good afternoon again. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004, yahoo.com, and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. Thank you very much for the informative presentations. Uh, it's always good to hear what's going on in the library and in various parts of it and in various programs. Um, I did want to particularly uh, comment on the digital presentation. Um, 
I was surprised to hear about library surplus equipment. I assume, although I'm not sure, that the library isn't throwing out 700 computers that are perfectly good, but presumably, uh, well, I don't know, but I had thought that maybe the library might be giving outdated computers or ones that have been replaced by more uh, recent vintage. But I'm not clear about 700 and 100. There were two different numbers uh, provided about donations. Uh, it's not that I have a problem with donations. It's just what is it that's being donated? Is the library overspending on computers or not counting what it needs and so on and so forth? Um, I heard from the vice president, everybody has a computer. Everybody has a cell phone and a particular smartphone. Well, first of all, not everyone does. I think it needs to be important that the library serving its diverse community also be aware that there are many folks who do not have those uh, that equipment. They're not, uh, and it is also disproportionately lacking for the all the vulnerable populations, minorities, older people, poorer people, those with English not fluent and so on and, and, and disabled people. The other thing is there are plenty of people who are technically capable and very active and I run into them all the time and they like books. We heard from Denise about her preference to read the newspaper. People also still like books. Books are very strong at the library. They're being circulated very strong, strongly. And I think that there are, there's a real hand on the scale for eBooks and against library materials. Uh, I wish that these reports would include stuff about how to use the library, how to use the library's wonderful resources, how to use, and so on. Uh, basics in tech, we're talking about all this great stuff. There are people that can't explain to me at the library how to get a screen image of a homepage. Um, we have a lot of technical problems with doing just basics and the staff not knowing how to do those easily either. That needs to be fixed. Thank you. Thank you for your public comment. Any further public comment here in Correct? Good evening, Library Commission. My name is Maurice Rivers. I am the executive director of the OMI Cultural Participation Project and a lifelong resident of San Francisco District 11. And sitting here in tonight's meeting, I actually felt really empowered hearing about the Office of Digital Equity. My community um, had a very um, bad reaction during COVID with digital equity, and we had to revert back to the old-fashioned way of doing things, which was getting flyers out. And um, hearing about the resources available really felt empowering because now I feel like I can come back to my community and bring those resources back and hopefully steal some computers from you guys. So um, it was great to hear that. And I feel really lucky that I have such a great relationship with Ingleside Branch Library because I feel like now there's more access to the black community coming into the library and the fact that I have pretty much been given carte blanche to bring programming and community events into the library feels very, very empowering. And um, thank you guys for that. And especially thank you to Dr. Lopez and of course our city librarian, uh, Michael Lambert for coming out and supporting. So thank you all. 
Thank you very much. Any further public comment here in Corret? Um, operations, if there's anyone um, via the WebEx platform wishing to make a public comment, could you please put them through? Madam President, at this time, there are no commenters in the queue. I will pause briefly to allow additional commenters to join. Madam President, there are no additional commenters at this time. Thank you very much, operations. Thank you for your comments today um, from the members of the public. Um, this now concludes public comment on item number four. And um, I just want to begin, I can't help myself but begin this um, conversation by acknowledging um, Commissioner Maul because when all these amazing presentations were being made, I kept thinking about the potential futures and how they all fit every single one of them. Just your notion that we're already doing incredible work and this was just even more um, amazing every time it's just even more amazing. So um, I open this up for public comment and questions. Um, and uh, I know Jason is here, Christina, Denise, and Kate, if there are any questions for them. So I will open it up with Commissioner Ono. <laughs> so, sorry, Commissioner Mall. She's going by seniority, I guess. No, yours is longer. I'm just yeah, I'm older. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Every time we have this part, of the city librarian report on our agenda, it just I always come happy because I know you guys are going to tell me something that I'm going to be more proud of. And you guys done it again today. Um, the Digital Con uh, Connections Initiative, just I almost started crying. That was just so moving. Um, I'm sorry that... Ray and Leo had to leave, but I mean, for the library to have done this initiative and to get all of those um, computers to people in need. And then the, I love the auto analogy where, you know, there's a road, you have a car, you're getting tech support. It was just, it just, like you said, it tied in perfectly to the previous um, presentation about the strategic plan. So, I just, um, if you could just relate to Ray and Leo that they very, they really touched me with um, everything that they're doing and how we can help them. Yeah, definitely will do. Uh, they're waiting for me outside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing, if I, if I may, mm -hmm. if I could clarify, um, just wanted to address something that was said is that we don't have like hundreds of computers just laying about. Like, I think most people know here in organizations they refurb or they, they uh, refresh computers due to you know upgrades, unfortunate corporation practices where they plan obsolescence, and there's a lot of wear and tear for public devices here. So one of the reasons we give so many over to um, Leo's program is they do this refurbathon, and they actually get the kids hands-on experience where they can you know get these computers back up in working. And that's why every time we have a budget, we always know that technology is advancing. So we build into the budget new technology for you know, the public and for staff so that we can now reuse it for others. And um, Morris, I hope you get some of the computers for your initiative too. So thank you very much. Um, but uh, moving on to the other topics, uh, we, I am glad we sparkle harder. And thank you, Commissioner Wolf, for representing us during the parade. Um, and, you know, the artists and residents and also 
the ferry building, I mean, that was just amazing that you could think of something to do to get other, to get new um, members to our new patrons for the library. That's a great initiative. And I think you should try it with the bus systems next or right. some other, you know, other modes of um, commuting. So again, you guys just amazed me and thank you all for doing what you do. Thank you so much, Commissioner um, Ono. Now I'll turn it over to Commissioner Mall. <laughs> well, I just wanna say that Commissioner Ono really knows this library. There was a woman's voice several presentations ago. I can't even remember the subject. And I said, I said, who is that? And Commissioner Ono knew exactly who was speaking. She said, oh, she's at the Western edition. I said, and that was just an anonymous voice. Um, the presentations have been wonderful. I just have a few questions. Um, did the did the commuter fairies think of this themselves, Denise? You sort of implied that they wanted to do this. I'm just sort of blown away by that. Yeah, they reached out to us. Um, and they're like, we're interested in ways that we can work with you and you know promote the library. And we had done a different digital program before and we had kept the door open with our vendor and said, we, we like what you're doing. We were thinking about doing it at the Salesforce Park, we're thinking about DMVs, we're thinking about jury waiting rooms, we're thinking about hospital waiting rooms. Wow. So they That's came to fabulous. us first and the vendor actually wasn't quite ready. And so we had to slow down a little bit because they had to get all the technology ready so that we could do this where they're accessing a lot of our products, which are normally behind a wall. But yeah, there was a lot of background stuff. But yeah, the fairies were interested and we we're like, oh, okay, you're, you'll be our first. Okay, I just think that's brilliant, just brilliant. Um, and Kate, I have a fast question for you. Um, I know this wasn't what you talked about, but just for my own curiosity, what happened with Maya Angelou? Oh, um, it's still in process. Maya Angelou, it's the, that project's been delayed. Um, you know, there was COVID and then also um, the artists had to um, rework some of the design for um, a variety of reasons. And so, and then that coincided with a very busy, her own very busy exhibition schedule. So we're looking at next spring is the last that I heard. So, but that's... Don't so it's still breathing, but oh yeah, no, it's absolutely moving forward. That yes, I mean it's absolutely going to happen. It's just um, the timeline has been adjusted and readjusted. But we're looking at the last I heard was that it was going to be de delivered hopefully sometime next spring. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Commissioner Mall. Any other comments or um, Commissioner Lopez? I agree with Commissioner Arnold. This is the part where like, okay, what are they gonna present? And, um, so thank you for, to all the presenters. Um, every program, you know, it's just like enriching. And um, I do have some questions uh, and some comments about the different programs, um, about the technology. And then I was like, where did he go? Uh, Jason, um, one of the things that I 
that I liked about uh, this presentation and the whole project is that you're matching resources with education. So it's not just like here, you know, like, oh, we're going to refurbish this computer and here you can take it. It's more of like they, someone else is doing the training that, you know, capacitation to utilize that. So, and to provide uh, support. So I feel that that's a win-win situation for the, the receiver from for us and for the partnership. So thank you that that I, you know, I always feel like every time I get a new technology and I don't get support, then I'm lost and then, you know, and then I have to call you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you for that. And, and now it's rest assured we know where our computers are going. Exactly. So uh, I think that that recycle the whole process is, is great. Kate, I had a, a question about the resident. Um, so you said that they're going to be divided into two se sections. Um, so, and, and just for a clarification, because I probably missed it. So they don't have, they will have exhibitions or do they have programming? Because I know that you were talking about a different type of arts. So, um, so I was just wondering, can you elaborate on how the programming, like what does it entail? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's sort of like, you, we don't know what really we're going to get because okay. I mean, it's very, um, you know, they, they use their time with us to research and to explore different avenues. And then they go and they think about what they want to do, um, from their time here. And we, we can't anticipate where they're going to go um, with their research or their practice. And so um, one of the things that we are, um, we're dealing with now is like how do we accommodate their final projects? Um, so, um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just a pro it's a, an additional process um, that we have to work through. And um, so, for example, for Sandra's work, that was pretty straightforward because she had two-dimensional artwork. We just put it up. And also, um, we created a, a complementary exhibition with another artist, um, Penelope Houston, who does, was also interested in the same subject matter. And that coincided with a separate project that Christina Moretta, our photo curator in the History Center, was doing that looked at um, our archive of government issued IDs. So those those projects came together really neatly and easily. Um, the other projects, um, you know, some of the artists are still in their pro deep in their process and sort of feeling their way through. So with Gazelle Samizai, we're just trying to figure out well where can we show her work, and you know she um, is currently thinking of uh, a, a multimedia installation, and we have space limitations. So. It's an ongoing process, um, but with Gazelle, with Sandra's work, for example, like when the final work manifests, we will create an additional public program around that to drive traffic or engage traffic in the or gauge the traffic is not the right patrons. It's been a long day, engage patrons in that project. Um, so um, it's very iterative, iterative now, and then um, again, you know, so we, in order, I turned out to be the main liaison and working with staff to connect them with other staff members. And it, it was, it was, it was great. I'm happy to do it, but trying to juggle four artists with four different schedules and the schedules of the staff was a little bit challenging. So we're just going to do two at a time and they're just going to be staggered. 
Does that clarify the question? It yeah. does. And I have to say, I really commend you because you're working with four different types of artists and it's a lot of work. So yeah, it's, that that makes sense to divide that. The, well, my role has really just been a connector and I just want to thank all the staff that, that they've connected with who've been incredibly gracious with their time. It's wonderful for me to see the relationships that they've built um, in the different departments and you know, they were just a wonderful group of artists, super affable, and they just made friends, and they just got right in there, which is what they wanted. They were like the best house guests, right? You didn't really have to worry about them. They, they, you know, they found their way around. So I do want to thank my colleagues for being generous with their time and, and open to the experience, because I think that will create a richer um, project in the end. Thank you for sure. experiencing that. Yeah. And then, um, Christina, I have to say that um, the library and my circle of my coworkers, everyone talks about how the, the library was represented at Pride and the parade and how happy everyone was. And um, I really wanted to go hurt my foot because I worked the day before. <laughs> but um, thank you. And I totally relate to uh, what you were saying. Uh, like the reaction of people getting books or like when they find out that it's a service that we provide that they're free. Um, some of these books, they don't have them everywhere. And and I think that, that that's what makes the difference because um, regular, some regular bookstores don't, don't carry them. So uh, even in San Francisco. So uh, it, it's a big service. So Thank you. And I know that it took a lot of planning, the programming, but, um, you know, next year, like I said, <laughs> I just did not see the, I, and I don't, I don't know how to say that, the paletero, the, the bibliotero, the yeah. little car, next side. <laughs> That's a really good idea. And thank you so much for your comment and just a warm invite to any commissioner that would like to join us on the Pride Parade. We would love to have you and think about accessibility. Actually, that's something that we need to think a little bit about for next year is, you know, it does require people to walk, but what would it be like if we have some staff that aren't able to actually do that two mile walk? Um, so something for us to Let's do iterate on. Exactly. Like exactly. carnival. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I just want to um, add on to this as we conclude our meeting today. I It was so much fun marching this year. And, Christina, you and your team were just so organized and fabulous. I gave out free pencils, and it's like I was the most popular girl in town. <laughs> um, um, really enjoyed spending time with Kate and with Maureen as well on, and meeting your mother, Christina. That was really lovely. Um, but I just – it was such a glorious day and um, – um, really so well organized. And so thank you for the, the that kind of culminated everything, but you were doing so much around it to begin with. So that was fantastic. And just want to add um, that, Jason, it's just amazing what you're doing. And please extend our incredible gratitude to Leo and Ray. Leo is kind of amazing what he created and what he's trying to do, and it's really inspiring. And it's wonderful that we can partner with someone like him to really get um, to address that digital divide in such a meaningful way. And um, 
Denise, it's like I can't wait to get the stats and um, for you to actually take this concept and go on the road to, as you mentioned, hospitals and waiting rooms and so many different kinds of places. Um, and Kate, uh, as always, the Artisan Residency Program is always a surprise at the end um, and always um, illuminating as well. So again, this is the most amazing library in the world, and we may not have all the physical things you had in Norway that you saw in Norway, but what we do for our community is so deep, so rich, so full that I'm just, it's just, I'm overwhelmed by the incredible um, visionary efforts of the staff. So I just want to really thank the staff for everybody for what you um, contribute, what you do, and how you do it. So thank you. So now we go to our last agenda item, which is adjournment. Um, before we um, adjourn, we will open up for public comment um, here in Coret and then online. So public comment is now open here in Coret. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. I like to look at the clock and try and make that 15 seconds or less, but I think it is important and would appreciate your including it in the minutes because there are folks, there are folks who may want to get in touch and aren't in the room, but are listening and would like to. Uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again, adjournment, you should not adjourn until you insist that there be on future agendas an item where you can say at the end of the meeting what you would like to see on future agendas. Just this evening, we heard some very interesting discussion about a lot of things, including a lot of questions and a lot of unclarity, to put it mildly. Commissioner Mall said she was puzzled about that strategic plan and talked about a whole range of things, which I think would all of which would be worth discussing further. She mentioned that the building is not op optimal. You bet. I won't go into how bad it is, but there have been efforts to improve, for example, signage, $350,000 worth. It's still confusing to find your way around, to find materials and so on. Ask anybody who uses it. Um, two people, Commissioner Ono and Commissioner Jerry Bolander, talked about AI. And yes, AI is very scary. When they talk about the human race being extinguished as a result. I certainly think that's something that the Library Commission might want to discuss when you have computers in every facility for the use of the public. And I believe it's the Surgeon General who talked about policymakers, and you are policymakers as members of the Library Commission. You are policymakers who the Surgeon General says need to deal with what to do about AI. And the chair, Chair Wolf, said she didn't understand living laboratories. I didn't understand the answer, frankly. Uh, but I certainly think that and any other thing that was in the strategic plan, and there was a lot in there that was completely 
not defined. What are ambassadors, what groups there were, who was selected to be heard and who was not. I've spoken to a community group that was not asked. Why? How were those community groups selected? Which branches were selected? All of that needs to be clarified, but also you need to give direction, as you have tried to do tonight, but more. Thank you. Thank you very much for your comments. Um, any further comments here in Crete? Um, operations, any comments on um, via the WebEx platform? If, if so, please put them through. Madam President, at this time, there are no commenters in the queue. Thank you very much, Operations, and thank you, Operations, for all your great help tonight. Um, given that there are no more further comments, public comment is now closed, and I now turn this over to the Commission. If someone would like to make a motion to adjourn the meeting. So moved. Um, do we have a second? Second. So we have um, Vice President Huang made a motion to um, adjourn the meeting, and it was seconded by um, Commissioner Lopez. And I'll take the roll call. Commissioners, please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf. Aye. Vice President Wong. Aye. Commissioner Ono. Aye. Commissioner Mall. Aye. Commissioner Lopez. Aye. Commissioner Bolander. Aye. The motion passes unanimously and the meeting is now concluded. Thank you everybody for your participation and thank you again to the operations team for making this all work so smoothly. Thank you. And see you in August.